0: Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the Word. The Word today, open up your hearts, get ready We're going to be going to the book of Judges in just a moment. And so um, if you guys want to look into the book of Judges, let me give you the title of our message today. The title is The Virgin Sacrifice. Well, uh, today uh, we are going to be um, opening up our hearts and hearing a word from the Lord concerning this Uh, this topic out of Judges chapter 11 but before we get there let me read to you a passage of scripture a familiar passage from Hebrews 11 okay while you're getting to Judges okay verse 32 and what more shall I say for time the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Oh, wow. Time would fail me. Here the writer of Hebrews says... I don't have enough time to tell you about all these people. Time would fail me this morning to tell you the stories of all of these people, which I think many of them, you know, uh, probably most of you are familiar with many of those people that were just mentioned. For example, you probably know King David, you know, you probably remember the prophet Samuel, you probably remember Samson, you know, you probably remember, uh, you know, uh, 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 Barak. He was the guy that. Fought with Deborah off of Mount Tabor, you know, and and went out and was hunting down this man named Sisera, and a lady named Jael drove a tent peg through his head. What a great story, you know. Uh, you, You probably remember all of these. You probably remember Gideon. We just talked about him just Wednesday night, okay? But many of you may not be aware of a man named Jephthah. Uh, if you aren't, then this morning you will be when we get finished. He's a little more obscure, perhaps. Uh, But Jephthah lived about 100 to 150 years before King David. Jephthah lived during the period of what we know was the Judges. And Jephthah was one of the people that we look to that God called to deliver Israel from their enemies. It seemed in the time of the judges, for a period of about 400 years after the children of Israel had come into the promised land, it seems like the children of Israel would do well and god would bless them and then they would start doing evil they would start worshiping other gods they would forget jehovah and sure enough their enemies would begin to win against them and when their enemies overwhelm them the people of that day just like the people today when their enemies overwhelm them they turn to god and they cry out to god you know i've heard People say, let's pray. And I've heard one other person in the crowd saying, has it come to this? You know, has it come to the place where we need to pray? I mean, you know, it gets critical we pray. Well, that's what the children of Israel did. I want to hope that we aren't that way. I want to hope that we don't only go to God, that we don't only refresh or renew our covenant with God only in the tough times as a people, as a family, or even as a nation. Well, the account of Jephthah, as we're getting to Judges chapter 11, let me catch you up on what is happening. Jephthah was the son of a harlot. It came about that his father had many sons by his wife, but he had one son by a harlot in Gilead. When the sons grew up, they looked at their brother, their half-brother, the son of the harlot, and they said, we do not want this man to inherit with us. And so they went to him, and they basically disavowed him and disowned him and cast him out and run him off. And the elders of the city of Gilead in the area of Gilead, which basically is on the eastern side of the Jordan River, just above and to the east of the Sea of Galilee in that little area right that is now Syria, south of Damascus. Well, Jephthah, whenever he was run out of town and run off by his brothers and disinherited, Jephthah went out into that wilderness and men began to collect to him. Men began to draw to him. And it seems as though that he became the leader of what the Bible calls some worthless men. Now, worthless men may not mean the same uh, in, in your mind as it actually meant in here in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, it basically means penniless. It means they didn't have a job, they were unemployed, they were idle, they didn't have anything else to do. They were not you know, gainfully employed. That could be for a lot of reasons, but the fact of the matter is they didn't have anything and they were idle, they weren't doing anything. And so they joined up with Jephthah and they became his army. And Josephus even wrote to us that, that it's believed that Jephthah even paid their salaries. How did they get money? Well, they went on raids. They went out raiding among the Ammonite people the Ammonites were the people who had previously owned that country and who still lived in that country under Israeli occupation well the Ammonites didn't really like this but Jephthah did not bother those Israelites those Jews and Jewish families around Gilead he rather raided against the Ammonites And so in time, the king and the people of Ammon made war against the Israelites, against the Jews in Gilead. And the elders of Gilead came to Jephthah and said, Jephthah, would you become the leader, the commander of our army? We know you're good at it. I'm I'm ad-libbing a little bit here, okay? We know you're good at it. We know you have an army. We know you can fight them. Won't you come and be our commander? That's what they ask him. And he said, wait a second. I thought you guys hated me. You ran me off. What do you mean come and be your commander? I know what's going to happen. I'm going to come down there. And if God were to see fit to deliver you from the Ammonites through me, Then you're just going to chuck me away again. You'll just disown me and disinherit me again. And they said, No, we won't. And so Jephthah said to them, You know, he said, Well, listen, here's the deal. Okay. Uh, If I come down there and if God delivers you from the Ammonites under my hand, first of all, he had no personal confidence. And he wasn't even sure that God was going to do it through him. But he's saying if. He said then I want to be your head. Will I be your head? And they said sure. Sure. Okay. So this is where we pick up in the story. Uh, Jephthah had sent word to the king of Ammon. But the king of Ammon was determined that he was going to go to war let's begin reading in judges 11 verse 1 reading from the new king james version now jephthah the gileadite was a mighty man of valor but he was the son of a harlot and gilead begot jephthah gilead's wife bore sons and when his wife's sons grew up They drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob. And worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. Well, we've covered that. Verse 9 so Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead as they came and asked him to be their commander if you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon and the Lord delivers them to me shall I be your head you know as I said a moment ago Jephthah was not confident that, that he could do it nor confident that God would do it through him but uh, If it did happen, Jephthah asked the very same question. Listen to me. We're making a little jump here. Jephthah asked the very same question that Jesus asked of us. Listen to what he said. If I save you, will you let me rule you? Oh, wow. Putting it in today's perspective. If I save you, if I deliver you, if I save you from the enemies that are trying to destroy you and kill you, will you let me be your head? Can I rule you? Well, wow, what, what a question. Or, you know, or will you only take the salvation I offer and then cast me aside and forget that, I, you know, that, that I'm here? Well, as I said, the elders of Gilead said, Yes, if you save us, we will make you our head. And so Jephthah went back with them. And Jephthah sent word to the king of Ammon and said, hey king, why are you wanting to fight against the Israelites? And the king answered him something very interesting. The king said, the reason I want to come against the people of Gilead, those Jews that are occupying, is because when God led the people of Israel out of Egypt, he led them and they came and took over our land. And now we're wanting the land back. It's our land. I want it back. Wow. Well, if you'll read this passage, it's one of the great stories that Jephthah was able to encapsulate all that God did for the children of Israel. He says, we know... Jehovah led the children of Israel out of Egypt and he led them up to Kadesh Barnea and from there they asked the children of Israel asked can we go through the land of Edom but Edom said no and then they asked Moab can we go through the land of Moab but Moab said no and then they asked the, the, the king of Amnon Uh, Ammon, uh, can we go through your land? And the king of Ammon said, no. They said, well, we want to just go through your land to get to our land. No, the king of Ammon said. But also, the king of Ammon went out to war against the children of Israel. And at that time, Jehovah Almighty God gave victory to the Israelites over Amnon who was attacking them and we possessed their land and we 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 you know captured them and their people he said and this is common he said in what nation is anything any different That when people come out to war against you and you go to war against them and when one nation or one king wins against another nation or another king, I mean, you always take the land. You always take the people captive. When you win, you win. If you don't want to lose, don't fight. But when you win, you win. We won. He said on top of that, it's been 300 years. Why didn't you all complain about it earlier? It's been 300 years since this happened. This is not your land anymore. This is our land. That really upset the king of Ammon. Boy, he came out to fight. He went to war. Well, this is where we pick up in our next scripture reading in verse 29. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed through Mitzvah of Gilead and from Mitzvah to Gilead he advanced toward the people of Amnon. Now, now, now it, it, it seems here, follow me if you would, okay? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Something special happens when the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes upon someone. Something special happens, of course, when we are called by God. But being called by God, sometimes, you know, you can be called, but 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 you know, boy, you can be authorized, (laughs) but you don't feel empowered. You know, I was a policeman for a few years. I had two things that, that 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 I was kind of proud of. One of them was my badge. Okay? My badge authorized me to do some things. My badge authorized me to arrest people. It just did. But it didn't empower me like my gun did. (laughs) You know? I had a badge, but not everybody stopped for the badge. But let me tell you something, they stopped for the gun. There's a difference between being authorized and being empowered. Jephthah had been called by God, but now the Spirit of God was upon him. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil for God was with him. This is something that when the spirit of God came upon Jephthah, no doubt doubt he felt empowered. And so the Bible tells us when the spirit of God came upon him, he began to advance on the enemy. He began to, he he went through all these towns and villages headed toward the enemy. He was going toward, you know, uh, the war, going to the battle. But on his way to the battle, called by God, anointed by God, he makes a critical mistake, an error. Why? I don't know. I don't know if he was feeling the zeal of the moment. You know, sometimes when you feel, you know, you feel like you just, you know, uh, you know, you're overwhelmed with excitement. I don't know if he was afraid, if he was insecure and he felt called and he felt empowered, but he wasn't sure. You know, I don't know if he, you know, didn't trust God. I don't know why he did what he did, but there is a Definite, sad twist to this story. Now remember, Jephthah is in Hebrews 11, our faith chapter, as one of the heroes of faith. He's paid great respect, but watch what he does. He's been called, the Spirit of God is upon him, and he starts off toward the enemy. Look in verse 30. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. He said, if you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the people of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. So Jephthah advanced toward the people of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. Of course the Lord did. Jephthah was going to win anyway. Okay, He was going to win anyway. Why? Because he is called by God, he's anointed by God, the Spirit of God is upon him. Okay, now, now, He was going to win anyway. Verse 34, when Jephthah came to his house at Mitzvah after he had won the battle, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with timbrels and dancing, and she was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me, for I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot go back on it. So she said to him, My father, if you have given your word to the Lord, do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth. Because the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the people of Ammon. Wow. You can read the rest of the account. This is what happened. He told the daughter what he had vowed to the Lord, how that he would sacrifice the first thing that came out of his house, not expecting it to be his daughter, but here she came out to welcome him so proud, so happy that her father had won the war. timbrels and dancing and, and coming and so glad that Jehovah had protected him. And he just loses all his countenance and, and rips his clothes and says, I have vowed something and I cannot go back. She says, Father, in the rest of this story, Father... Would you give me two months so that me and my friends can go to the mountains to bemoan my virginity, seeing that I will never know a man and you will never have grandchildren and, you know, I, I, I will never have a, a life beyond this moment, you know. And he grants her that request. She goes with her friends to the mountains and there they lament over what is going to happen to her. She comes back in two months in willing submission. And there her father performs his vow, sacrifices his daughter as a burnt offering to the Lord. I hope you enjoyed today's message. God bless you. For the rest of the message, it's 4995. No. <laughs> what in the world? Oh my. For generations, this young lady has been remembered each year by Jewish virgins who take four days in a pilgrimage to go and to lament her virginity as the virgin sacrifice. Her name, according to the ancient Jewish philosopher Philo, her name was Celia. Hmm. What can we learn from Jephthah and Celia? Seeing that Jephthah was an evident hero of our faith, what in the world can we learn? Well, uh, before we get finished, I will help to put this in perspective. But let me give you some things that we should learn from this account that God has given us to learn from. The first thing I think that we should learn is that no person should be blamed for what their parents did. Come on. Jephthah, it was not his choice to be born of a harlot. It was not his choice to, to be born as the odd man out. I mean, it, 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 it wasn't your choice, whose parents, you know, you have. You didn't choose your forefathers. You didn't choose your, your, your place or origin or national creed or uh, ethnos. You didn't choose it. No person should be blamed. For what their parents did or did not do, it wasn't Jephthah's fault. Your past should not determine your future. One of the things that my son and I were talking about oh, a week or ten days ago, as I was visiting with him, he said, "You know, Dad, uh, you, your your past, you are not just, you know, the culmination of your past. You know, you're." you're your past should not determine. Your past does not determine you. I I won't get the words just right, son. But uh, you know you can you can uh, 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 tell me better later. I think I wrote it down somewhere. You are I, I did. You are not your past. You are what you learned from it. Even if it was just one minute ago. You are not your last mistake. You are what you learned from it, even if it was just one minute ago. That's close to what you told me. Jephthah was not his past, but neither was he his parents' past. Don't worry, by the way. If you are really as good and as right as as you feel that you are, people will know it in time. Give it time give it some time a second thing that that i learned from this and we can take away is that we can't bargain with god there's no reason to bargain with god no reason i know a lot of people do i I mean it's 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 it's, but there's no reason why because god already has everything he has everything he wants you know i mean he wants you but he doesn't you know he doesn't want your ten dollars and he doesn't want you know you know you can't bargain with god you can't you know, strike a deal with God to move the hand of God on your behalf. God is going to move for your good and for your best and the best of His plan anyway. He'll move through you. He'll move for you. But, but He already has everything. But, but if you do make a vow, then you need to keep it. Just don't make hasty vows out of fear, insecurity, or pride, or, or you know, uh, you know, any other reason. God is good. And He will be good to you because he is good not because you are now i'm not talking about just living in sin and greasy grace i'm talking about people who love god and are really trying but god is good and he will be good to you because he's good not because you are you see love and forgiveness are not the mark of the person who's being loved or being forgiven. It's the mark of the person who is loving and forgiving. God loves me. He forgives me. It says nothing about me. It says everything about Him. Forgiveness is so easy to give for me now whenever I realize it says nothing about the person I'm forgiving. It's the mark of God and the measure of God inside of me. When I forgive someone, that's the man I am. It's not the person they are. God may not let them off the hook because I forgive them, but i got to let them off the hook because I forgive them and give them a chance to do better. Number three, you are most likely more in the will of God right now than you give yourself credit for. See, this... I think was one of Jephthah's problems is that he was called by God certainly to do something that God needed done, and he was even anointed by God, and no doubt he felt it, and no doubt he felt that 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 whatever that energy is that comes to us that that, that sends us you know out uh, uh, for a God cause, but he didn't, you know, he didn't give himself credit when he could have. Jephthah was going to win anyway. The Spirit of the Lord was already upon him before he made the vow. Perhaps you too are being used by God right now more than you realize. Maybe more is going on in your life than you can imagine. Maybe you're headed for a destiny that God has chosen and empowered you to. You know, uh, it, 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 it's not our part to be insecure, to be afraid, uh, you know, uh, because God will undergird you to accomplish what He has called you to do. And if He does not want it done, then all of the worrying in the world won't bring it to pass. I used to tell people, you know, if God is worried about it, I don't need to be. And if God is not worried about it, I sure don't need to be. Number four, our trust should be in God and not in our sacrifice. It doesn't mean that we should not attempt things. It doesn't mean that we should not, you know, lay our lives down uh, for the Lord. It does not mean that we should not pay the price that is required for us to accomplish the will of God, but our trust has to be in God and not in our sacrifice. We do not have a performance-based God. Our victory in Christ comes because of our faith, 1 John tells us. 1 John 5 4, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It's our trust in God that overcomes those overwhelming odds in life. It's not a vow. I promise never to drink again. I promise never to cuss again. I promise never to do this. I promise never to do that. I'm not saying that you should not change your ways. You should. You know, God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. You know, please, please don't bargain with God, especially rash and hasty bargains. If God is leading you to do something, simply say yes and let the Holy Spirit take you there with confidence in Him and not in yourself. Not in what you can do to get on His victory list. Offerings should be motivated by love, not by demand, duty, or fear. You know, I'll throw this in there if you're needing... If you're needing something from God, pray. But pray in faith, don't pray in fear. And I do believe in sowing seeds, whether it's kindness, patience, or, or, or uh, you know, even in the financial realm, uh, as far as that goes with God in an honest heart, but do it from love, not from fear, demand, worry. The Bible says, when you give, give cheerfully, willingly, not of necessity. That means you, that you don't feel compelled and not, not you know, uh, uh, unhappily. The amount uh, that we do for God is dependent on God's anointing, not on our sacrifice. The account of Jephthah and Celia troubled me for many years as you can imagine. It's probably troubling you a little bit now. I mean how how could God ask for or even accept that sacrifice? How could God require that? Well, let me encourage you to do something this morning that that will change your perspective, not only here, but also on other difficult passages that you may run across in the future. I'm going to encourage you for the moment to get your eyes off of God in this story and get your eyes onto Jephthah, onto Celia. Many times we need to take our eyes off of God and get our eyes on to people. Because I believe God had nothing to do with this. I believe this was all Jephthah. I do not believe that God required this. I don't even believe God had a smile on his face when it was accomplished. So why then is it recorded? Well, God has a tendency to tell us the truth. This troubled me for so many years... And then one of my friends, a very well-known and well-deserved scholar, a Jewish scholar who was in his 70s when I first met him. He was the foremost authority on Israeli-Arab affairs, lived in Israel. Through the years, he... He shared with me constantly things in the Word of God that I did not understand from that perspective. And, and he even invited me and took me to the president of Israel's home uh, and, and, and so that we could discuss uh, uh, Christian-Jewish uh, relationships and how they would be mutual beneficial. This man, what an amazing man, advisor to presidents and kings, he became my friend. He, he's, he's, he's spoken here in our church more than once. And I, I've, I've, I've invited him to group after group in Israel to come and, and go with us and share with us and, and teach us. Uh, this man, his name is Joseph Gannott was he's passed on now he was a part of, of 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 digging up you know and 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 around the dead sea scrolls i mean this is a gosh you know when i would go into the to the museum with him in 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 uh, in, in in israel the dead sea scrolls and stuff he would say look and there'd be there, there, there's pictures of him up there with him doing some digs. what a, what an amazing an amazing man you know he's preached for me here and as well, I've, I've uh, lectured for him there in university in Israel. He served on the board, and he was a professor of Hebrew at uh, 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 the at, at Hebrew University, a professor, I believe, of archaeology, um, or maybe Israel Arab affairs. But at any rate, Joseph asked me about this passage one day. He said, "What do you think about Jephthah's sacrifice?" I told him, I don't know what to think. I've stayed away from it, honestly. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I've never preached on it. you know, I, I, I mean, I mean what can you say? I mean, <sighs> And he said, well, from the Western world perspective, it is something that you cannot understand. But from a Middle Eastern perspective, it's something that you easily understand. because, What Middle Eastern person would respect a person if they did not honor and respect their God enough to keep their word to their God? You would see both the person and the God as weak. And in the Middle Eastern culture for a daughter to obey her father and willingly submit to keep his honor intact and to keep his word intact and to do that uh, that that that, uh, that speaks everything that's the kind of god that 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 you know that uh, they want to serve that's the kind of god that speaks to that culture that's the kind of god and the kind of person they'll trust and they'll follow my goodness if Jephthah would do this to his daughter as much as he loved her for his word to his god he must really know his God. His God must be a great God. He said, to the Middle Eastern mind, it means everything. He said, but the Western world and the church can't understand it at all. And then he encouraged me to study it. That's been over 10 years. This is my first time to preach on it. And I believe I got a handle on it recently. How that there are a lot of things in the Word that we charge God with. There are a lot of things in life that we charge God with when we really ought to charge people. God is just being God. God is not requiring us to give sacrifices we cannot afford. Some man might be encouraging you to do it, or you may be demanding it of yourself, but it's not God. You see, the reality is no person should be blamed for what their parents did. The reality is is we cannot bargain with God. We have nothing to trade. What do I have that he has not given me? That he will not have anyway. I have to realize that I am most likely more in the will of God than I give myself credit for. God is smiling at me because he sees Christ in me. And that my trust must remain in God. And not in my sacrifice. However, as David said, I will not give to the Lord that which cost me nothing. So sacrifice is still a part of my life. It cost me something and it will cost you something to follow the Lord. But I won't sacrifice from fear or from insecurity or as a bargain to God. I'll do it like Celia did out of a loving, willing submission to what God has asked me to do. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date as well